How awesome to hear all that fellowship, though. Oh, sorry. Am I interrupting Dad's conversation back there? He is still talking. That's why I'm going to have to get security back there pretty soon. <laughs> hey, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. What an awesome and gorgeous day to worship our Lord. Um, I'm excited to start this journey together, and I'm excited to see what, what God has in store for us all. We all know that uh, He is in control of everything, and we're just going to let Him lead us, and, and we're going to hang on and go for the ride. So thank you once again. Um, my goal is we're going we're gonna to do everything we can to, to reach this church, reach this community, and, and get a lot more people around here fired up for Jesus. So um, we, the workers, you're it. The harvest is plenty. We're the few. All right? So it's not going to be done with just me. We've talked about that before. I know uh, um, Skip a couple weeks ago tends to talk about the Great Commission a lot, I hear. Um, so Only to excess. So, um, amen, that's what we're here to do, and that's what we're going to do. Um, so thank you once again. So as we start today, you can tell by the title of the sermon that we're going to be, be looking at our lives and what it means to be on that narrow path. And, you know, as the brilliant theological giants, ACDC and Led Zeppelin, pointed out to us, there is indeed a highway to hell, but only a stairway to heaven. Okay, they're not... The, okay, note to self, that failed. I'll, I'll, I'll mark that for next week. You, The older ones? All right. So uh, they were bands. <laughs> and they had these songs. So yeah, so the wide path indeed does lead to destruction. And there's a narrow path that leads to salvation. And we as Christians, we need to do everything that we can to make sure that people are on the right path. We don't want to allow people to stay on that highway. We want to direct them and we want to teach them and we want to introduce them to the glory of Jesus so that they too can can be on that small stairway instead of that highway. We are going to focus today in the book of Matthew. We're going to start in chapter 7, verses 13 through 23. So if you have your own Bible, feel free to read along. I'll have it up on the screen for you. Enter through the narrow gate... For the gate is wide, and the gate is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from the thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles. So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. 
a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, you will be known by your fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. My friends, the way is narrow, which leads to eternal life. This message from Jesus couldn't be more clear. There isn't several paths that lead you. There are not several gates in which you can gain admission. You can't climb over a fence just down the road. There are no shortcuts. There are no other ways. The way is narrow. The path is small. And there's only one gate. And that gate is Jesus Christ. Now, we as believers, we have to be able to defend what He did on the cross in order for us to defend the the exclusiveness that this comment makes. A lot of the people say that, you know, Christians, their beliefs, it's, it's too narrow. Their beliefs don't... It's not inclusive enough. It's not showing love the way they do. But friends, we were told by Jesus Christ Himself that the way is indeed narrow. We live in a society where you can have your truth and I'll have my truth. And as long as we're friendly to each other, we can, we'll get along. But if you believe the Bible for what it is, if you believe the Bible for the inerrant Word of God, which the Holy Spirit through men wrote for us, then you know that's not the truth. You know that it is exclusive because the Bible tells us that it is exclusive. There are many people who are very sincere about their false beliefs. But unfortunately, they are sincerely wrong. And we as Christians cannot, with good conscience, allow them to believe that them being sincerely wrong is good enough. Because if you look at the the term good enough. If you look at the phrase good enough, it's neither. It's not good and it's not enough. The way is exclusive and the way is 
through Jesus Christ Himself. In John 10, we hear Jesus exclaiming that He is the door. Not only is He the door, but anyone that tries to go any other way is a thief. No one can be saved unless they enter through Jesus Christ. There are no shortcuts. There are no alternatives. If the Bible is truly the inspired Word of God, there is no other truth. So if you have faith in the Bible for what it is, then yes, we are exclusive, but we need to be because in order for us to be obedient, we must do what the Bible tells us we need to do. Those who deny this exclusive claim by Jesus as being the only way to the Father... They're directing people. They're pushing people on that highway, that wide path that many take. In our Sunday school this morning, we just mentioned, take up your cross and bear it daily. That's not easy, friends. That means that I have to give up what Brad wants to do and be obedient and be willing to submit to what God wants me to do. It takes work. We naturally, as humans, don't want to do what God desires us to do, so we have to work at it. And why does that message say, do it daily? Because daily we're going to screw it up. Amen? Amen. But thankfully we have a loving and a faithful God who's willing to look past that and still allow us to enter through that gate. We know that hell is a very real place. However society wants to minimize it, and however society wants to say it's, it's a temporary thing, it's, it's not. And we know it's not because the Bible tells us that it's not. If you read the Bible, and you trust and you believe the Bible, you know these as being the truth. We must do better at working to take the people off of that highway, show them the truth, and get them to understand Jesus and what He has done in our own lives and the lives of all believers so that we can get more traffic the other direction. We want to take people with us on the stairway. We want to get people off of that five-lane highway. And why do we want to? Because we have experienced the glory of what that is. We have our hope in Jesus Christ for salvation and eternal life with God in heaven. And that should excite us. And that should motivate us to want to get as many people there with us as possible. Now Jesus knew. He knew that there was going to be a constant battle between good and evil. 
at creation, they knew the fall would happen and they knew that Satan would have dominion over the world. So God, as the Trinity, Jesus was never a plan B. Jesus was never, oh, well, that didn't work. Let's find another way to do this. They knew from the creation of the world that it was going to be needed. If you look back in Genesis, Chapter 5, you know, or sorry, chapter 3, they know the end of the story. They know what happens. Satan knows eventually that he's going to lose. All of his demons know that they don't win the battle, but their job, their goal is to snatch as many of God's people and take them down with them. In order for us as believers to know the difference between that that massive highway and the narrow path, God has given us examples. He has revealed to us in His Word our motivation and how we are to know those people who truly have placed their faith in Jesus. It's obviously a rhetorical question when Jesus is asking, well, do you get a grape from a thorn bush? Do you get figs from thistles? He's not asking his his disciples, he's not asking his friends these questions out of truthfulness they all know that you can't do that. The fruit you get from a tree is based off of what kind of tree it is. So Jesus uses this rhetorical question to tell His friends and hence to tell us that you're not going to find someone that's on the highway that's going to produce good fruit. And you're not going to find someone that's on the stairway that's going to produce bad. If you have allowed Jesus to take hold of your life, you're going to show what we have called the fruits of the Spirit. Paul explains these in Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh-oh, I got lost, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against things there are no, are no such laws. Friends, if you look at that list, that list has no bearance on what you do for you. That list has everything to do with what you do for others. When Christ told his friends to take up your cross and bear it daily, it wasn't so that could, they could look after their own being. It was so that they could look out for the well-being of others. Paul wants to remind us, just as Jesus said, that we will recognize each other by the fruit of your lives. 
Now, let's not fall into the trap that the fruit is what saves us because it doesn't. I cannot be kind enough to someone to earn my salvation. I cannot be loving enough to anyone to earn my own way into eternity. We display these fruits by the guide of the Holy Spirit out of the excitement and out of the hope that we have in our eternity with God in heaven. We don't earn our way. These are things we do to show appreciation for the work that God has already done in our lives. And here's where the devil uses trickery because he has people that show those qualities, but they show those qualities to bring attention to themselves, to bring glory to themselves. You get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. You're showing glory and praise to you for being such an awesome person because look what I did with my power and my money. We need to remember where that power, where that money comes from, and every gift comes from God. Every penny belongs to God. And if we're doing it truly out of the fruit of the Spirit, then all glory will be given to God for those gifts. Good enough is neither. It's not good. It's not enough. I give to charities all the time. I've never assaulted anyone. Oh man, do you see how kind she is every time we go over there? We don't earn it. Paul reminds us that we don't deserve it. We need to make sure that we are not relying on our works. We're not relying on ourselves. We don't create our gate. There is a doorway, and we must, must use that doorway. We should behave towards others the way that Christ behaved towards us. And that was sacrificially. The song we sang this morning, and and some of you remember this, Skip probably developed these. But back in the day, how did we teach in Sunday schools? Well, we'd have the little felt boards and you'd stick the, you'd stick the little characters on the felt board and, and you start talking about what happens on Easter morning. So you put the cross and then you put this little smiling, blonde, blue-eyed Jesus on the cross. And as a kid, you look at that as, oh, well, look, he looks, he looks okay to be there. And then you read of what the Roman crucifixion really was. And you realize it's not a smiling, blonde, blue-eyed Jesus. That He suffered. And He suffered for you. He suffered for me. We don't have the right 
to try to take away his lordship and say, oh, I can find another way to do it. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Maybe a thousand years ago that made sense. But you know, in today's society, no, friends, we can't do that. The way is narrow. We show those behaviors. It's a, dis- it's a display of our response for the hope that we know we will eventually receive glory with God in heaven. I know that God's grace will be given to me, a sinner that doesn't deserve it. I can't earn it on my own, but through that free gift, I get to celebrate eternally with Him in heaven. As we receive our rewards here on earth, those people who are on that highway, they're receiving those gifts, and Scripture tells us that that is all that they should expect to receive. The Scriptures tell us that they received all of their rewards. So as we see people around us trying to earn more, trying to buy more, trying to be more powerful, trying to be more popular. Friends, those aren't the things that we need to do. Those aren't the attributes that we want to show as believers in Jesus. We want to be the people that bring people more, that give people more, that show people more love. Not out of attention to us, but out of submission to the will that God has for us in our lives. When we get to verse 23, this should stir us into action. Verse 23, read it again. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who have practiced lawlessness. I cannot think of anything worse than making it to that judgment throne and hearing these words from Jesus. And what does, what does He say? He says that they're going to come back and they're going to say, but didn't I, didn't I, didn't I? Look at this list of things that I did. But remember, if you're doing it for you, That's not the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of Satan tricking you. Only those who do what they do in the name of Jesus are going to receive those rewards. And how do we do what we do in the name of Jesus? We pick up our cross. We bear it daily. We die to self. Meaning Brad's goals aren't as important as God's goals. And my prayer is always that I get out of the way and that I allow Him to work through me in whatever situation I may be. In whatever circle of influence I may have, I want God to work through them. 
We have a lot of people that have been lied to. We have a lot of people this morning sitting in a church somewhere that unfortunately are going to be looking forward to these words. Brothers and sisters, having a head knowledge of who Jesus is is not enough. You can can have Scripture memorized. You can read books upon books of theological evidence. You can be someone that can argue the Bible but not have a saving relationship with who Jesus is. You cannot deny yourself. I've known people that they, they, can, they can speak Hebrew, they can speak Greek, but they are so worried about what that does for them. And look at me, I can do this, that they don't do it to bring other people to the saving knowledge of who Jesus is. They do it so they can look important. They do it so they can look smart. And friends, that's not using what gifts God gives you to glorify Him. Do you remember the story in Mark 5 of the, the guy that's in the cemetery and he's possessed and they even chain him up because he's, he's so wild and so out of control. And when, when he sees Jesus approaching, he even calls out, What do you want with us, Son of God? The demons know who Jesus is. But, They have not accepted Jesus as their Savior. So in that story, Jesus even asked, Who are you? What's your name? And his answer was, I am legion because we are many. So there are many demons in this one body and they know who Jesus is. And they know what the end of the story is because they say, It's not time yet. Why are you coming to us when it's not time yet? They knew who Jesus is, but they didn't accept Him as Savior. They didn't accept the offer of salvation. To know Jesus has to. Please listen. To know Jesus has to be more than simple head knowledge. It's not good enough to just read without allowing it to affect your lives and submitting to what it says. And it's a process. It's a process that we go through our entire lives to allow God to have that power over us. All we have to do is to be willing to say, Yes, God, use me. Yes, God, work through me. No matter how much head knowledge you possess, it's not enough to keep back the just wrath that God will show to those who do not believe in Jesus Christ. Friends, there is a highway to hell, and hell is a very real place. And because God is omnipotent, because God is all-powerful, and because God is just, 
what happens to sinners at that moment is justified. In a court of law, it's the way it should have come out. It's pure justice. Where's the hope in that? The hope in that is the gospel. And the hope in that is because what we are celebrating here in just a couple weeks. Someone mentioned this morning, when you look at a lot of the other false religions in the world, their God is still in a grave. The bones are still there. But guess what? We celebrate the empty tomb. We know the fact of the resurrection is true. And we know that that is the one and only way to salvation. And it's through Jesus Christ. What He did on the cross. What He did with His life. And most importantly, His resurrection and ascension to God in heaven to be there as our justifier he paid the penalty so we don't have to that's amazing unfortunately in verse 22 of what we read earlier it says many will come to him friends it doesn't say one or two it doesn't say a couple it says many will come to him saying, Lord, Lord, did I not? That needs to be our calling card. That needs to be our battle cry. Why do we go out and seek the lost? Because in God's Word, we're told that many people who think they have it right are wrong. And they're going to get to that judgment throne. They're going to face Jesus. And He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. The demons... They knew Jesus, but Jesus didn't know them because He said, what's your name? Friends, when we have that relationship with Jesus, He's going to stand there and He calls you by name. He knows you. There must be a sense of urgency in all of us. Because of the truth of what this narrow path means. We all in our circle of influence, we have people, and and maybe you're thinking of them right now, that you know do not have that relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know that if they indeed were to be taken from us today, that they wouldn't get to experience the glory of eternity with God. So what is that sense of urgency? That sense of urgency is for us to be the workers in the field. Think of the old Southern Gospels tune. Step into the water. Wade out a little bit deeper. We must work. We must fight to get people off of that highway and onto the narrow path. How do we keep from being tricked by Satan? How do we keep from stumbling and getting lost and maybe occasionally even joining that highway? Well, we have two spiritual disciplines that we must 
improve on, and we must keep working on through our entire lives. The first one is we must be in God's Word. Friends, the Bible is not just a collection of books that humans decided, yeah, okay, those are pretty, those are well written. Let's let's put them together. That's not how the canon was formed. I won't go into it, but it's a lot more than that. The Bible is God's revelation to you and to me. The Bible is what God wants us to know and how He wants us to understand it. So how can we use that as a tool? we got to open the book and read it. And second, we've got to be in prayer constantly. We need to pray excessively for our church, our country, our leaders, our friends. Because we have a lot of people that are on that highway that we want to learn the truth of who Jesus is so that they can join us on that narrow path. Don't allow yourself to be fooled. There's a lot of people that express Christianity in their teachings. You go to any bookstore and you look in the Christian section, there are a lot of books there that are, that are feel-good, live-your-best-life-now books. Our hope doesn't come from our best life now, friends. Our hope is knowing that our best is yet to come. Amen? Amen. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly and gracious Father, we, we come to You and we seek Your guidance throughout this next week so that we can open ourselves completely to You. Father, give us the courage, give us the strength to work on our prayer life, to work on our Scripture reading. Father, we know that You have given us the information, You have given us the knowledge that You want us to have. Please encourage us through the Holy Spirit to do Your will in all of our circles. Father, I know there are people sitting in this room today who have people in their minds and people on their hearts that they know don't know the truth of who You are. Father, I, I ask for the courage for those people to strike up a conversation. I ask that You give people the courage to stand up for what You have already done for them. Father, I thank You for this day. I thank You for the seasons. I even thank You for the cold rain because we know You need it and we know that You have plans for it. Father, I thank You for this day. I thank You for this church. I thank You for this church family. And I ask that You just use us as Your workers. Give us the power to submit fully to You. Father, it's in the, the holy name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.